So my title for today is Follow Instructions. And since the pastors, unbeknownst to them, were in my sermon last week, I took some of their uh, series titles. So my subsequent title is It's Not Hard to Grow When You Follow Instructions. They want to steal from me, I'm going to steal from them. could mean the difference between life and death. If you don't believe me, has anyone in here ever received some devastating or tragic news and said, I would have been at that party, or I would have been in that car, or that could have been me? And if we weren't believers at the time, we may have said, something told me not to go, or something told me not to get in, or something told me not to mess with. We may have called it intuition, but make no mistake about it, it was God who was orchestrating your steps. The Bible says that God knew you in your mother's womb, therefore we can deduce that he also knew about the plans for the joy ride. He knew about the plans for the party, and he knew about whatever else you had planned, even though perhaps your parents did not. I'm telling on y'all this morning. That intuition was an invitation to follow God's instructions. I like to call them holy and crucial conversations. Because when a holy and majestic God speaks to an unworthy man, the conversation is elevated to holy and the message becomes crucial. He said, it's crucial for you not to get in that car. God is saying, my son or my daughter, follow my instructions. And you may not have understood in the moment why you wouldn't get in the car. Because deep down inside, you were dying to go on the joy ride. You were dying to go to the party. You were dying to do this and you were dying to do that. But dying being the operative word. There is a contrary train of thought concerning this word though. See, many people, including Christians, feel that God doesn't speak anymore and that the Bible has been demoted. They say, they say that the Bible is more suggestive, it's irrelevant, it's an option or some sort of classic type historical book rather than the authoritative word of a holy, caring, and protective God. See, the word of God is alive and it is quick and it is sharp. And when you align yourself with his teachings, your inheritance will be better known as continuous, uninterrupted overflow. But here's where we run into a problem. We live in a culture where right is wrong and wrong is right, where clear biblical teachings are perverted, clear lines are distorted, where all things are to be questioned and people have decided they will do whatever it is they want to do. Every message competes for our attention and if we are not careful to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we too will live on the edge of definition and leap off the page's borders. Uh, even Christians today are more apt to tiptoe along the edge of this book or live in its margins rather than positioning themselves in the middle or the center of God's will. All right. Oh, they have fire insurance. But it is an accident, no fault policy rather than full and extended coverage. Okay. Many of us have more coverage on our cars than we do our eternal selves. You know the 
be on the surface then to go down deep and associate of the Lord rather than an actual friend. But the song I have swimming around in my head says that I am a friend of God. It doesn't say anything about being an associate. It's all about covenant relationship. And a relationship with God covers you. Now here's the thing. I'm a human being, so I get it. There is something inviting about the edge and the unknown. There is something provocative lur lurking around the corner. There is something scantily dressed on the other side of obedience that tends to keep even the called out ones easing down that ever increasing wide and dangerous road. It's something about the steepness. It's something about the drop off. It's something about touching the forbidden. And it is something that appeals to the adrenaline junkie inside. And it is that appeal that has us leaning over the proverbial rails and has us exploring things that should be left undiscovered. It's that something so inviting that it catches us up and strips us of any spiritual regard. But today, we are talking about the benefits of following instructions. See, in our story that was read for us, thank you, Dee Dee, we see that God has no issue with commanding the ravens and instructing Elijah or the widow. But in our times, in today's world, it's the people. We've all been duped and caught up in some things we should not have been involved in. Amen. We found out the hard way that the initial presentation doesn't necessitate the actual quality of the package. Amen. In other words, it wasn't what it seemed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. There was some false advertising. Uh -oh. It was that old bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, so for the guys, it's when the makeup is removed. Uh -oh. The lashes are on the dresser, and that good hair came from overseas with the label made in China. Uh, now, somebody tell me, how many around-the-way girls do you know that got that type of hair? Mixed signals what you're chasing. Now, for some of the ladies out there, I ain't forget about us. He was fine as wine, whether red bone, black bone, or just had a backbone, we have all unwrapped some things that were on the I-I list. Uh-huh. I-I, which means the babies, right? Right, right. I-I. Okay. And, and it should mean something to some adults. Don't touch it, leave it alone, and walk away. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to in the eyes of a man, but it leads to death and destruction. In other words, whether it was a fixation or even desperation, we have all chased some things that weren't meant for us to catch. Many things that look good aren't necessarily good for you. Following his instructions can be the difference between life and death. And that is my clarion call today. Follow instructions. I believe it's true that many of us here today have the testimony if it had not been for the Lord on my side. And y'all know the rest of that because let me tell you, if he would have given me everything that I thought that I wanted, come on somebody. But here's what I'm thankful for. I am thankful that boundaries are a part of the mercy that God gives. Now if you're anything like me, you ought to be thanking the Lord for, for, for protection from dangers seen and unseen because only through his goodness and only through his grace are we standing here today. There is a um, young lady that I look at on TikTok by the name of Ariel Fitzpatrick. 
Now, I love the way that she puts together her content. It usually includes herself in three parts. She is the main actress portraying herself. She is the angel, and she portrays God. Most of her stories involve God instructing her on what not to do. Her angel is always co-signing or eavesdropping, and her resolve, as she has coined it, is, I'm going to see for myself. As you can imagine, seeing for herself gets her in a lot more trouble than if she would have followed God's instructions, because God's love language is best expressed through his institution of boundaries. It's been that way from the beginning. Now, I love the instructions he gives to the Israelites as he prepares them for the promised land. He says, do not move the stone that marks the border of your neighbor's land, which people long ago set in place. It marks what you inherit in the land the Lord your God is giving you as your possession. In other words, boundaries are set up for a reason. There is something holy about boundaries. Your inheritance or your continuous uninterrupted overflow is defined inside the boundaries God has given to you. That neighbor's land in this example is the world. What we do in our society is grab portions of the world and try to mix them in with our inheritance. And what God is saying is, get out of other people's stuff and get yourself off the fence. Oil and water will never mix. Have you ever tried to mix oil and water? You had it in a jar? What happened when you shook it up? Now, what happened when you stopped trying to force them together? They effortlessly separated. Why? Because you were never designed to be mixed together. You were designed to come out from amongst them. It's a reminder that it is not the world, but it is the Lord who is your only source and your only resource. A couple of weeks ago, we sang a song that says, he is more than enough for me. So why is it that we are not satisfied with the boundaries he gives? If you would just learn to follow instructions, there are a couple of things that will tend to happen. And the first thing is this. We are prepared for next steps. When human nature takes a back seat to divine orchestration, we enter a process called preparation. God gets us ready for the next steps. Let's take Elijah. He lived, operated, and prophesied during a period of great division, a time when it was either one way or the other. At this time in biblical history, the southern and northern kingdoms of Israel were divided. There was a sharp division between prophets and kings, especially if the kings were doing things evil in the Lord's sight. And the people were separated in groups of pro-Yahweh or pro-Baal. Their allegiance and demeanor in that day are likened to face painting, flags waving, and pom-poms adorning your favorite team today. There was no secret to whose side you were on. In his day, Elijah stood out amongst the backdrop of Baal worshipers, and let me tell you, it was greater than 450 to 1. I wish y'all knew y'all Bibles. It was essentially an entire kingdom against a few thousand in comparison. So let me try to bring this closer to home. In Dodgy, for those of you who don't know, that's my baby out there. That's my SUV. In Dodgy, I have Dallas Cowboys head wrap covers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
said still some haters. All right. <laughs> and I am equipped daily with my Dallas Cowboys debit card. You know they say you never leave home without it. I am a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan and have been so since junior high school. I have Dallas Cowboys socks, a jersey, a jacket, a coat, hats, a t-shirt, and a purse to boot. But now, oh yeah, I'm done. <laughs> we don't play. Dallas all the way, baby. <laughs> we ain't like other people that switch teams, but we ain't gonna look on the other side, right? All right. But now, if I went to a Washington Commanders game and I pulled up in Dodgy and was adorned with all of my gear, I would be surrounded by a sea of burgundy and gold. And I would stick out like a sore thumb, as they say. But like Elijah, I stand strong and proud for my team as it relates to football. But let the record show I am really Team Jesus. Like the Dallas Cowboys symbol, he is my star. Football is cool, but Jesus is better. And okay, I get it, I get it, because this is the type of crowd where you got to break it down twice. So let me give you another example. This one going to hit home. To CJ and to the Cornics out there. The other Cornics are not here, but it still applies. It would be just like going to a Navy's game and sitting in their section with army fatigue. Oh, yeah, you're cruising for a bruising, right? You see him jump, right? He's like, okay, don't do that. Although it seemed like Elijah was outnumbered, he knew this one defining principle. The Bible says, and I love this, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, Elijah stood up and stood out for God, and God ordered his steps when he followed instructions. And here's how it went down. According to 1 Kings 17, the Lord told Elijah, after he said what he did to King Ahab, to go and hide. I, I, okay, I hear y'all saying, I know it's in your head though. Say what? Yeah, the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven's army, the almighty God, told Elijah to go and hide. But don't think this is strange, because if we flip through the pages of the Bible, we will see that God has hidden some of the greatest biblical heroes we know today. He hid Moses among the reeds, a king among the sheep, and now Elijah down by the riverside, because he knows how much you can handle. And sometimes he needs to send you into the pouring place, a place where you can be poured into, a place where it is just you and him. He said to Elijah, go and hide for a season of rest, for a season of seclusion, for a season of provision, and for a season of specifics, because there's always a refueling station in the secret place. To many of you today, God has said, come and go away with me. Because God is our ever-flowing fountain. He is the well of living water. He will always send you into a place of nourishment. The Bible says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? Because it's always for his name's sake. Seclusion is not a punishment. It is a battle strategy. This is why he tells Elijah, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to drink, and I have commanded ravens to feed you both night and day. And guess what Elijah did? Go ahead. Elijah. 
instructions. Y'all are gonna get this before I leave here today. Damn. Elijah did not do what most of us would have done. He didn't prepare a long drawn out thesis. He didn't have a long drawn out dialogue. He didn't question God. He didn't talk back to God. He didn't challenge God and he didn't give God attitude. And he did not tell God what he should have done. No, he simply obeyed and followed instructions. He used good old-fashioned mutt and jest as a deposit on his face. Obedience was his down payment. Now, here's another thing Elijah didn't do. He didn't pull out the Old Testament phone book. And he certainly did not get on the line and call two men in a mule, 1-800-RELOCATE-ME, Camels Are Us, or any other moving company. Elijah did what God said because following instructions leads to next steps. Now, I love Elijah's maturity in God because even though he followed instructions and God's specific direction, the brook still dried up. And even though that happened, what he didn't do was turn on the theatrics. Elijah didn't throw a temper tantrum. God, oh God, <laughs> you said for me to come here, God. Now look at this guy. I ain't getting no more water, God. Oh, I think I'm thirsty. My throat is parched, God. Y'all know how we do. What am I supposed to do now, Lord? I know you didn't bring me here to leave me, God. You were too good for that, Lord God. Joshua said you would never leave me nor forsake me, God. But Elijah let spiritual maturity drive his faith. He simply leveled up and followed the next set of instructions. Now, the second thing that tends to happen is this. We get first-hand experience regarding the Lord's promises. As it is orchestrated, the brook dried up, and the Lord instructed a widow to prepare for Elijah's arrival. The beautiful thing I saw in this passage was that Elijah needed a meal, and she needed a miracle. He needed substance, and she needed security. He needed her, and she needed him. And God worked it all together for both of their good. See, we have to be careful when we think we don't need others. God always aligns us with the people that will help us get to the next level. Through others, we experience God's love, his provisions, and his promises. It's a part of the package, and you are a part of the holy package. You are crucial in the life of someone else. God in three persons, yes, but he always includes people in the gifting and in the promise. Amen. God can do it without you, but he chooses not to. Amen. There was a reciprocal relationship at work in this story. Not only did Elijah benefit from the widow, but the widow also benefited from the presence and the prophetic gift of Elijah. Now, the two of them together became an extension of life rather than facing individual death. She said, I am going to cook this last meal, and me and my son will die. But Elijah said, not so, not on my watch. What this text relays is that you can be the answer for someone's dire situation. You are the sunshine in someone's cloudy day. She was hopeless until God, through Elijah, invaded her 
her situation. She thought it was all over until she followed instructions. I saw something else in the text that I had not discovered before. Did you know that the widow operated on the principle of the tithe by giving a portion to the Lord's servant first? Watch this. Malachi 3.10 says to bring your tithes or your first fruits into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in so much that you will not have room enough to receive it. Elijah asked her, make a little cake for him first and then to feed herself and her son. When she did that with a handful of flour and a little bit of oil in the bottom of the jug, God blessed her for blessing the storehouse. Elijah represented God's storehouse of blessings, prophetic utterings, healing, and abundance. And guess what the result was? Verse 16 says, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers. Just as the Lord had promised through Elijah, continuous, uninterrupted overflow. In other words, she experienced the Lord's promises firsthand simply because she unselfishly followed instructions. See, she demonstrated with great courage and extraordinary faith when everything within her was crying out for help. Now, what can the Lord do with that? How will he turn up when we honor others, follow instructions, and step out on faith? So it's no different today. God gave us the Holy Spirit, our guarantee that we can always take God at his word. So this section of scripture shows me two things. And the first one is that we are each other's keepers. And the second thing is that it is a reminder that what's left after the tithe is always more than enough in God's hands. <laughs> All right. See, y'all thought I was going to come with three points. I only got two today. So let me leave you with this. The Bible is often referred to as basic instructions before leaving earth, something we ought to follow, where this is the storehouse of God's word. You become the storehouse of God's blessings when you follow his instructions. You can affect the lives of so many others if you tune your ear to his voice and simply follow instructions. Although this story has lots of movement and a host of characters, God is always the main character in the narrative. But let me give you the flip side or the downside to disobedience and the consequences of not following instructions. What I believe God wants us to understand is that not following instructions can affect those around you and the generations coming after you. Let me give you an example. Adam and Eve were given an inheritance, a huge, pristine garden with everything they needed to flourish. It had a river with four branches, It had lush greenery, animals, vegetations, and one teeny tiny caveat, a boundary. God said you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Earlier, we established that following instructions can mean the difference between life and death. And as Adam and Eve found out, 
crossing that boundary and ignoring all warnings can cost you everything. Because they did not follow instructions or heed the warning, there has been death, pain, enmity, destruction, and godlessness ever since. Disobedience and not following instructions has its own set of consequences. Now, admittedly, we live in a world that is sharply divided on so many issues. We live in a world where so many people are on the fence. Yet the Lord always has a remnant of people who will stand up and stand out for him. As with Elijah, you set the prophetic tone. You are his storehouse of blessings, and you represent God wherever you go. Excuse me for a second. Pepsi, I'm almost done. Can you get back to this? <laughs> you, you missed your cue last time, I preached. We're not missing it today. Come on. You are God's witness. We learned that God has his greatest asset. So the question is, how is he fueling you? All right. Okay. Like Elijah, you can take the broken pieces of what is left of a shattered life and show those around you that God is still more than enough. What would it be like if we could be trusted like that? See, God is not in the cloud by day. I'm going to slow it down a little bit because he's creeping. And the fire by night, as in the Old Testament. Today, in this age, he shows up in you. It is in him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. Therefore, it is always better to follow instructions. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 